What's going on, everybody? This is Pat from Stereos, and you are listening to Tobin Tonight. I guess the first thing I really want to ask you is what took you so long to come back with this band? Like what caused the hiatus to begin with? Cause I, I mean, that's the greatest question to start off with. Let's go right for the juggler. But like, I loved when you first came out. Cause I was like, I guess 19, 18 summer girls. Great song. Uh, I was watching like video on trial, much music where they were like kind of ribbing at you, but you were okay. ribbing at yourself. I'm like, I love when people rib at themselves. And then all of a sudden it was like, where'd they go? It's a good question, man, because like when we started out, we were just like every other, like, uh, you know, we grew up in the punk rock scene. And so we would go job to terrible job to terrible job and quit the day before a tour just because we knew they wouldn't give us the time off, come back home and work more terrible jobs just to like our goal, like our ceiling that we had set for ourselves was to just be a band in a van and tour full time. Like we heard about bands who could just like tour in their van full time. And we thought that was the goal. So when things really took off for us, we obviously, I would say like we eclipsed that original goal. And the reason I bring that up in reference to your question, like why did we go away? It's very, it's one thing that I really see as confusing to be honest with you, because the answer in short, there's a lot of nuances and different reasons, but the answer in short is because we had a lot of success very quickly. And then when our second album didn't do very well, it, we quit. And so it just was so unlike us. You know what I mean? Where we were this band who had that punk rock mentality. We started in a basement and we played any shows. So for us to just like have an album not do well and then quit, I still look back on that and feel just kind of like we let ourselves down to be honest with you, because when our album wasn't doing well, it was meant we were still playing to 600 kids instead of like 1200. Right. So that felt a huge drop off, but man, if you can get 600 kids out in every city in Canada, you know, you're not done or you shouldn't be, but it just led to more infighting and finger pointing. And it just, I honestly, uh, it's still tough for me to answer because I don't really know why we took, like we broke up. It wasn't even a hiatus at the time, right? We were done. Yeah. So for us to come back, I'm so glad we did, but yeah, it, it, it's weird, man. We just kind of lost morale and very quickly faded out, which is uh, yeah. And I, and I like how you answered that honestly. And I wasn't going for like the like let's te- like let's butcher him as he gets on right away. But like to me, it's just kind of like yeah, you have all the success, so you're going to have more success. And a lot of artists or acts sometimes they they got that first single, and that's why you call them like almost like busts in a way because it's like one single and they're done. And then you're like, but you know, there are ups and downs in life with everything. So I kind of felt like, I like how you said, you're like, Oh, well, our second album didn't do good. And then we kind of quit. And then there's other albums out there and other accents. Like, okay, you look at their albums. Like I liked album one. I liked album four, album two and three, not so much, but like you get there, there are people that would say, well, actually number two was really good because of this reason. And like, I always come back to say the 1975 for me. And it's like, there are certain songs on certain albums that you're like, I like that one. Don't like this one. And I feel like that's with any album. But to me, it was just like, you just hit the ground running. And then all of a sudden it was like, God, it's almost like when you look at like murder mysteries, it's like they show where they were friends. And then they do that black and gray thing. It's like, and then this thing happened. And that's why I was like, wow. I wonder what happened here. <laughs> we kind of have one of those. It's funny you mentioned that because like, yeah. So we, 
refer to, we even joke about it and call ourselves a one hit wonder, but I then make the joke. I'm like, yeah, we were a one hit wonder with three multi-platinum singles. And exactly. then it inside. so like, but obviously I'm not, I have enough self-awareness to know people remember us for the one song and that's fine. Yeah. But I wrote that song in my dad's basement, man, to see it get to where it got to, to like go number one overnight was just, it was, it's wild times. And so there's so many great memories with that, but yeah, like the industry happened. And so again, man, if nothing else, I just feel like, I wanted to go out on my own terms and that's why like being able to kind of kick things back and like give it another shot. It's just, it's really important that we actually have this opportunity. I feel very thankful for it. And I want to go through with these details with you. Cause like, how old were you? Cause I'm guessing the song that you're saying that everyone kind of remembers, like I remember three or four. So don't, don't sell yourself short there. Cause there, I've got like three or four. Yeah, man, still, I like um, I've still got like three or four on my iPhone. And when I was going to soccer, when I was maybe 18 or 19, that was the only thing playing. I've had people that were like, I am not going in Brian's car to him to a game because, yeah, I like the song, but not 20 times in a row. I'm like, what are you talking about? Summer Girl's great. I love that. Stop that. Um, but how old were you when Summer Girl came out and when this all started to develop? 25, I think. 24, 25. 25? Okay. I guess a lot of us known you for, of course, the long hair, the jerseys. Yeah. And then now when I see like the new image, because I I like the new song, what caused the whole change? Like what caused the dynamic of cutting the hair, growing the beard? Is it just time? Is it just maturity? Or is it just more or less like, I'm going for a new look here? Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely time to mature. <laughs> I'm 36 now, man. So I don't think it would... I think it would be so sad, dude, if I was still walking around in like a Bulls jersey and long black hair. Because then that just screams like remember me. It's one of those things where I think everyone, I I get that question a lot to be honest with you, but I think everyone changes how they dress and look in a span of 11 years. You know, I hope so. Because sometimes you see those like old rocker dudes who are still wearing like the, you know, the high white sneakers and the Def Leppard t-shirts and long hair. And it's like, man, it's maybe time to move on. But I would never, uh, you know, for me, it was just, yeah, I, I grew up a bit and I don't think, you know what? The other thing too is like, I have very thick hair. And so that hairstyle was actually a fucking nightmare because (laughs) I would have to straighten it like four times a day. So yeah, it's, uh, it was at a a time when that was the thing, right? It'd be different if it was like everyone, every artist that you were out there had short hair and then you're just the guy with the long hair. So it's a time when it's, it's peaking, but I do like your your new song. Like I think it's like looks good. Look good, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, like I I it was funny because we came across on Instagram, and that's a new way of marketing things. It's so funny to see how times have changed. And when it came across, I was like, I know this band. Is this the same band? I was like, cool. They still have it. How have you found people engaging with this song? Have people actually? done that to you where they're like are you this band is this the same people (laughs) i've seen it like so much and like i don't really check the (laughs) instagram stuff but i i know for a fact that people are commenting every day being like it's the comments are either really positive which i love or it's just people tagging each other being like holy shit remember these guys and to me again i think that like it would be silly for us to be like no what do you mean like we're not like a throwback it's like man if that's what people connect with that's awesome and like honestly the whole reason this whole thing started again is because we did our 10-year reunion shows two years ago and they sold out and like to see like people like still love those songs people would come up to us and be like man we had no friends in high school but we met each other at stereo shows and so now they're friends for life and they know each other's kids now man like it was actually like deep and like it spoke to me i was like man like we have so many people who really fondly remember us in that way so yeah i love the new songs i think they're we made sure 
that like I didn't want to go too far away from the stereo sound. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want, well, I'm older now, so we're we're you know we're rock and yeah. roll. That's not what people want, but I think we did the pop sound in a way that is more mature and maybe just a little bit more up, you know, the alley of what I would want to listen to myself. But I think it's good to have, you know, people love the nostalgia and hopefully like the new stuff as well. Yeah, like I think it's interesting because I was going to mention that point where you were talking about where the second album didn't do so well. But yet when you do this reunion tour and like in Toronto, it sells out and Edmonton, it sells out. And it's like it's one thing, of course, to sell out in your hometown or your home province. But then to go to Toronto, which is like a mecca for any act that goes to Toronto and like people still coming after 10 years to see you. I mean, that's what I was going to say, like when you were saying like the second album, you're like, oh, I can't believe we quit. But it's like when you do a 10 year thing, this is like the make or break where if it goes well, it's like, yeah, let's let's get this all back together because people still miss us. But if it doesn't go well, is there still a side of you that's like, yeah, let's let's do it anyway? Or is that kind of like, well, it didn't go well. So I guess they don't care. Yeah, no, I, it's a good question, man. And like, it's tough to go back and like hindsight because yeah. God, it didn't go well. Obviously, yeah. Like when it sells out in two different cities, it's, I mean, I mean, I'm kind of joking, but like, I have a big enough ego that I'm not going to be like, okay, that was good enough. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I got to do this. Like it's, uh, it was so much fun. And like, it's, it's a, it's an addiction, man. Like that is, it reminded me of what I love doing with my life in general, COVID hit and like not to get too deep, but it's like, you know, nothing's really guaranteed, man. What, how do I want to spend my days? And so on the heels of those shows and then putting out a new song, it was just like kind of a no brainer. And so if it hadn't gone well, Knowing myself, what I've still tried, probably, but it would have been a lot more sad than it is. Now. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. I look at it from the standpoint, like I, I, I like all these Canadian acts that I'm going to mention. But in fairness, it's like I grew up with Simple Plan. I grew up with Headley, and you know, sometimes over the the span of time, it's like what you grew up listening to Headley, and then what they became. You're like, okay, like I still like them, and it's okay for artists to evolve. But then there are people out there like man, you changed your sound, you sold out. And then with Simple Plan or like a Nickelback, it's like, it's pretty constant. And then there's people that are okay with that. But I'm like, you guys grow up. Like, can you grow up with the music? And that's not a knock on them. It's just, to me, that's just my opinion. So I like when you mentioned, of course, you want to keep the stereo sound, but evolve it to where you are now. So I think that's interesting and cool and keeping it up to date. Yeah. And, and I, I'm a, like, I'm obviously biased on the artist. Okay. I'm a firm believer in you have to make the music you want to make because sellout is a term that gets thrown around, but unless you know the guys personally, their own, like what makes up their integrity and yeah. like anything like that, it's, it's an actual joke. Like no one can actually call anyone a sell. Like, is it why? It's because they make pop music or because they change their sound. Like to me, the analogy I always use is like, I've never only watched one kind of movie and that's like, that's art. I like yeah. Westerns. I like horrors. I like action. I like comedies to me. I would fucking hate to only watch one kind of movie. So to only write one kind of song or only ever like be in one thing, that sounds like a nightmare to me. Man. <laughs> that That's a good analogy. Cause it's like when people do do that, where they're like, man, it's like, this guy, this, this song used to be like pop or pop punk. And now they're like just poppy. It's like, okay, but on your iPod or on your iPhone, do you have both kind of genres? It's like, yeah, absolutely. I'd be like, so what are you doing? What are you trying to say that they can't be now a part of your pop favorites? They have to stay in your punk favorites. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to be like. I can't talk to you. Get away from me, dad. (laughs) (laughs) Like that to me sounds, and 
Absolutely. The fan has the right to choose if they like it or not. I'm not saying you have to like the band, but like to, I don't know, put tags on them because they changed their sound. It seems like silly to me. I mean, they're the artists, like unless they explicitly say, Oh yeah, I hate our new stuff, but I did it to try and make money. Yeah. A yeah. Okay. You're a seller, but B the toughest industry in the world, just because you make a pop sound doesn't mean you're going to be big. So that would be a very dumb gamble to me is to like put something out there. You don't even like just thinking you're going to get paid because you can yeah. put up pop stuff and fail. Trust me. Yeah. It's like, I look back at like, so I really like like the Canadian acts when I was growing up, I didn't know they were Canadian at the time. So it's kind of interesting to find out years later that I'm like, Oh, like it just makes it that much cooler or I guess nostalgic to me. Like I'm going to name a few, you might know them, you might not, but it's like B44 when they were on like much music. And I was oh, like, man, yes. I was like, I, as a kid, I was like, this is so cool. Frosted tips. And as you're older, you're like, Oh, I can't believe I listened to this, but I'm like, man, they were Canadian. Oh, that's kind of cool. So my guitar player, Rob, um, it's actually like one of his like big things in life is that he wants, he thinks B44 needs to come back. It's like a weird (laughs) obsession of his. He's actually my personal trainer as well. And literally yesterday I'm in the middle of like doing a deadlift. He's like, man, B44 needs to come back. And I think he's only kind of joking. So yeah, (laughs) Uh, um, I don't think it's like a super like important cause to me, whether or not they decide to come back, but I'm fully into it if they want to. I want to ask you too, of course, going back into the band, like creating this band and you mentioned about writing the song, I guess, summer girl in your base or like in your basement. I want to ask you like, when did you get this interest in forming a band? Cause I believe every kid at some point has like three interests. They either want to like be an astronaut, a musician, or a guy who cleans toilets. That last one doesn't count. No, I'm like kidding. <laughs> yeah. Jobs, a job. Jobs, um, yeah, jobs, job. So the answer to your question is June 28th, 2000. Wow. Very specific. Um, that is the first time I was able to see the band AFI live and I was already obsessed with them, but dude, this is like before I had the internet. So I didn't know what they looked like. I just knew that I, like I worshiped my like older cousin. I think a lot of us have that person in their life where you think he's the coolest guy in the world. So he skateboarded. So I skateboarded. He played hockey. So I played hockey. Then he started listening to punk rock and I just found AFI through him. And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. So I was obsessed with AFI and this is before they got big. So it was like a 500 person venue. And the dude came out in like this pleather suit, purple hair, makeup, and like, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen in my life, dude. I, my mind was blown and I'm not even joking. The next day I gave up skateboarding. I gave up hockey the next year. And I was like, this is it. I'm going to be, I didn't even know if I could sing, carry a tune, didn't care. I was just like, I am going to do this. And my whole life I've actually had, I'm just very lucky. I think, cause my whole life, my, I remember as a kid, I would hear popular songs on the radio and I would just start humming my own melodies to other people's songs. Yeah. And my mom would be like, what are you singing? I was like, I don't know. I, my melody's better. I like it. So <laughs> I have, I've always had this weird thing with like melodies in my ear. And then I saw that concert dude and I was like, this is it. I have to be a singer in a band. And uh, it's really been the only thing I've been, you know, certain of since. <laughs> yeah. It's like the weird Al approach to it. I, I do it with my niece when my niece has to um, like when they come over on weekends and like she listens to like iHeart 2000s. So it's like music that I know. And I'm very surprised that she likes it because she's only like eight. That's so it's cool. like more nostalgia for me than her. Hell but yeah. at the same point, it's like I'll know the words or lyrics were or like the lyrics. And then when it comes to the melody, I'll just create some random bullshit to see if she'll laugh. And then she's like, how do you know this stuff? I'm like, well, I grew up on it. So I know what's coming. And now I'm going to make up my own words to it. But yeah. 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 So yeah, it's like, you know, 
whatever whatever floats your boat and whatever kind of gets you into music i guess but uh, i did yeah i did want to ask you as well like when you were creating this band like how did it kind of come to form so when you had this when you went to the concert and knew okay this is what i want to do what was your next steps from there oh. like, how did you get the other members so then I started like most people four or five bands in high school that were not fucking stereos. Like it was yeah, punk rock bands. I was in hardcore bands. There's a while where hardcore was really big, especially in Edmonton. I don't know if it was everywhere, but it was like 2004 to seven ish. I want to say. Okay. And so I tried that and I liked it. I loved it, but I can't scream. Like I cannot do it. And so I would try. It was just so bad. Well, I was just in bands, man, like just like hopping from band to band. And then I ended up meeting Rob, who's the guitar player, personal trainer, obsessed with B44. And <laughs> he was just in between bands. He was in this other kind of big pop punk band in Edmonton. They were the first band to kind of go down to LA and maybe sign a record deal. So we thought they were so huge. So Rob was like, used to be in that band. And he started one with me and it was Screamo, but I could actually uh, sing in that one. And then that band broke up, but then we got, like I'm going to try and make a very long, boring story shorter. Go for it. Go for but it. basically we started just like poaching members from other bands to join this band. And that's when we started from scratch and it was like, Hey, I'm going to write. Cause I actually, I wrote a song as a joke on Cause I, I can't play any instruments, but I got my first ever garage band. So I wrote this song as a joke and uh, Dan, our bass player was like, this is how we're writing songs. We're not going to stand in a room and jam for hours anymore because that sucks. So you write these songs and then we'll play them as a band. And I was just like super into fifties and sixties, like soul and doo-wop music at the time. And which is really good because it's, you know, simple chord progressions with like really good vocal melodies. And that's just how I started writing songs. And like anything, dude, I think I just got better and better over time. I think I wrote a lot of really bad songs. I still do sometimes. And then we just got better and we started like playing it. And honestly, man, then we put our songs on MySpace, and then, we got discovered on MySpace, and basically that's how we got disbanded. There you go. That's that's a good reference to have the MySpace. There's like a there's a whole age group out there now that's going to be like, what's he talking about? He means he means like Twitter and like Skype and stuff, right? And it's like no. The, the no, day no. the episode aired, the disband episode aired, we were still checking MySpace numbers, watching those go up. So yeah. that's like yeah, it's wild times, completely it's, different it's, world. Now. It, it's funny because I want to mention a story there with MySpace because. I remember like I was an MSN kid. So it's like, you know, MSN was my peak, but I remember having MySpace, but it was more or less at this point, it's kind of kind of full circle because I didn't know I was going to become a podcaster. I just knew I liked interviews. And yeah. I think I reached out to Scouting for Girls, which was a UK band, and they had instantly came back to me right away. I was like, this is before PR, before people had like their PR reps. So I was like, oh, maybe it's the real band. Okay, pinpoint that on my closet. So I had that one. And I think I reached out to 10 Second Epic, they Hell came yeah. back. Right, they came back right away. I was like, interesting. And we've had uh, Ian Castleman on from like Mariana's Trench, and he had said awesome. that they were going through like MySpace when they were first starting off and gaining traction that way. Like they would go to Much Music's website and be like, check out our MySpace, and that's how they started. And I was like, man, that's so dated. But at the same point, it's like the grind, and people would actually go to your websites and be like that let's get this music on my or like let's get this on much or let's get this here i'm like that's how you had to do it bare naked ladies started off from like i, I can't remember like i can't remember where it was too but it's like in toronto where they used to have a, like a little thing that it was like a speaker box or whatever or speaker's right. corner so Dude, it's weird yeah, I remember that for sure that was the, yeah that was so the it's it's weird to see like how it's progressed to now when you scroll on spotify 
you just see an artist and you're like, oh, I like that song. Let's check them out. And it's like, geez, that seems simple enough. Totally. And it's a good and bad thing. I think, you know what I mean? There's, I, I definitely support anything that gives artists more and more of a platform. So I love it in that way. I think there's a lot of overload. It's that much harder to stand out nowadays. Yeah. So you got to hope that, that you, at the end of the day, man, it comes down to the song, I think. And so, and the other side of it too, is we could, I could cry all day about, you know, things I don't like about how it's moving, but it's not going to change. So I might as yeah. well adapt. Yeah. Um, and I'm having a lot of fun. I'm, I'm learning a lot too, like about Spotify and the streaming. It's like, yeah. I'm, I'm, and by the way, our manager's 25, I think. So it's really good to have a young guy who knows this oh, shit. Really? Okay. Wow. Yeah. Cause I, I imagine it's being like different going back in time. And when you, I feel like at the peak when you were getting places to say in Canada or worldwide, it was, you had to get your song on that much music or a much more or whatever. Cause that's what people were doing. And then you'd have to get interviewed on like much on demand and like that kind of platform has gone. Now I know Ed, the sock is trying to bring it back and that's cool. And I think bell was even like counteracting him and being like, well, we're going to bring back much music. And it's like, great, whatever. The more platforms that we have for people to like do interviews and, you know, get music out there. But I do think it's interesting, like on Instagram, when you scroll through and then you just see someone's song and you're like, I like that. And yeah. you might give it like the two seconds. You're like, I like that. Okay. Download it. All right. Now I like this band. And like, that's simple enough, but to get things really trendy, it's like TikTok Now, if you get something trendy on TikTok, it's like a whole nother level of kids out there that it's like, I don't know that song, but I know where I heard it from. And now I'm going to figure it out. Like, yeah, here's a here's a really good example of just being age, where it's like I used to listen to Faber Drive, love Faber Drive. Now yeah. Faber Drive has a kid, and like his stuff is on TikTok, and I didn't he's even trendy. know. I was like, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, yeah, fair enough. I keep on saying he's a kid when he's probably like just eight years younger than me, but it's at the yeah. same point. It's like I'm like, man, that's his kid that has music on like TikTok, and I listen to his dad. I feel like the old crowd where it's like when your dad's like who you listening to? I'm like, Oh, I'm listening to this person. Like, yeah, I listen to their father. I'm like, have I, have I reached peak like age where now I'm going to like little kids and be like, Oh yeah, I listen to their dad play songs. Like get out of here. You old man. I'm like, I'm 30. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, Oh yeah. So much time has gone by. Yeah. Favor. Uh, we play with them all the time. Favor drive. Those guys, they're good guys. Tell me a little bit of the process of, cause I guess we kind of got into it when the, you said like the second album didn't do well and then you disbanded, but like what came to that conclusion where you're like, okay, this isn't working. Like we got to get from, we just, just stopped. Like, tell me how that kind of came to be. Man, it's tough. Like it's, I I don't want to be too revisionist with this, but basically we had come home from tour and Rob, Dan and I, so they were the two I started the band with. It was the three of us before we had members or played shows. We had felt like, we had lost the magic of what we started it for. Okay. And, and this is like, I want to be clear that this is what, how we felt at the time. And I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily feel like in retrospect that we were right. I honestly don't. So yeah. we felt like we had lost the magic of what we were doing. I think we became a little bit like we had this like cognitive dissonance about like what we were, how we were actually perceived and how we thought we were perceived as like this boy band. I remember like much who were like super like great to us. Much music was awesome, but we would often be asked to like host shows as opposed to playing them as a band. Yeah. I mean, like we'd be asked to host the red carpet instead of like playing music at the MMVAs. And so 
because we broke on a reality show, I think we were, we felt like we weren't being taken seriously as musicians. And again, I don't think that's true. I think like we were just kind of in our own heads about, it's easy to point fingers at reasons why, you know, something doesn't do as well as you want it to, as opposed to being like, you know, looking internally. And so at that point we decided to part ways from the other two guys and start a brand new band that was more like rock, um, you know, like arena rock, he called I 65. And we found a label that was interested in signing it and giving it like a go in 604 records. And so we just kind of, we moved out back West and just sort of started a brand new band. And honestly, it was kind of like, impossible to come back from that as a band yeah. to be honest i feel like at this point you said it was around say your mid-20s that you were like in stereos and all this was happening yeah. so like i i'm only i feel like i said i'm only 29 but it's still 29 but yeah, it's, it's like you know i feel like even in today's generation of course now there's more social media side of things so when people post a video you get people are just kind of shadows of themselves not in the in the sense of like they don't have to say it to your face. They can say it on Twitter or Facebook of like, this is garbage. So like, then it gets in your brain. Like I, I like doing podcasting, but there are some times when I'll look at comments and it's like, it's like that interview deserved better. It's like the host sucked. And I'm like, did I suck? Like, did that, was that garbage? I thought it was okay. But then it kind of gets in your head. Like it could be one comment, but it's like the one that gets in your brain. You're like, okay, next week you come out with like a a suit and tie. Like, all right, serious time interview. People like, why did he change? What happened here? Right. So, so it's it's impossible to keep people talking yeah, about so when you were mentioning about them like kind of getting in your head and you thinking you're one thing and someone else is thinking the other like i feel like that's very relatable even to this day i'm sure there's bands out there now that are like well geez i think we're doing this but the fan reaction is this way or the media reaction is this way so how did you overcome that or decide okay get out of my own head we're creating this back again and we're gonna go from there you know, I mean, I, I think one thing that's always been like interesting about our band is that a lot of us like played sports growing up. And so the way we show affection with each other is just like chirping each other, making fun of each other. And I don't know like, what sort of defect I have where I actually love a good insult. Like if it's like good, I like gotta be like, I, I, I laugh. I think it's so funny. And so I think not taking myself too seriously, especially this time around, like we're playing with house money, right? Like the yeah. band was over, we were done. And so now I just feel like, for whatever reason, I'm blessed with this ability to, if someone's going to be negative, it just doesn't affect me. Like, and, and I'm not saying that like you shouldn't like take it to heart. It's very hard to hear negative things about yourself and just like laugh it off. But for whatever reason, man, I don't know. Like I can't really like explain it other than like, I actually just find it so funny. There's a guy who posted on Facebook the other day, like once again, Pat needs auto-tune to an extreme extent blah blah blah. it's like dude this new song doesn't even have auto-tune like i think he's talking about the vocoder part which is a completely different thing and i was just like so i just made it a bit and i post about it all the time about needing auto-tune to an extreme extent and like i just find it funny dude i don't care like what what you know what am i gonna do dwell on it it's uh and, and with that said i don't know if it was all overwhelmingly negative i think that would suck but i can't be worried about it man it's just too exhausting that was my burner account. No, I'm only kidding. It's a perfect time to bring that up because it's like in a social media world, I feel like you do kind of have to have a thick skin. And I'm glad that you ha- yeah. said that because there are like, I guess bands that will look at tweets or mean, like, yeah, mean tweets or something negative, And they're like, 
erase it or delete it. And I'm like, or you could just let it be there and fans will either come to your defense or like if there's no interaction, it kind of defeats the purpose of what that intent was. Yeah. But I, the one that I do find interesting is when bands actually take it and then spin it their own way. Like Ian Castleman said that Josh Ramsey, for example, if you meet, if you make a mean tweet at Mariana's trench, get ready to get burnt. He's like, because he will take it and make it 10 times like worse as self like inflicting humor. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, that then shows the asshole that made the comments. Like, how are you going to hurt me when I'm going to just make a joke of this myself? Dude, the best example of that is if anyone ever chirps you while you're on stage, because what they all forget is that I have a mic. So you're not going to win because I'm just going to be louder and everyone's going to laugh at you now. And like, I've had so many, well, I don't want to over like, I've had quite a few experiences where you'll hear a comment and then I love engaging and then the entire crowd is laughing at them and they definitely don't, (laughs) they don't come out on top, but Hey man, if you're going to, if you're going to dish it out, you got to take it. Yeah, absolutely. I like when looking at, so if you go on like Twitter or social media, like I've had a few myself where like people will come and agree with you. And then there's ones that don't like, I am semi, I guess, into basketball. So I kind of follow it. Like it's not to an overall extent. So it's like, I can have a comment and then someone like breaks it down more accurately. And I'm like, that's fair. Like my comment was a comment, but okay. But when it comes to hockey, it's like, I watch, I think it was like a few weeks ago, Stephen A. Smith made a whole thing about the Edmonton Oilers. He's like, so you've got the best players in the world. And I'm like, like, shut the fuck up, Stephen A. Just stick to basketball where like people somewhat know what you're talking about. Cause like, listen, McDavid and Drysdale are great players, but they need a team around them. So relax. And they're getting there eventually. But like you're, you're a guy from the States whose thing is basketball. Why are you commenting about a Canadian sport and a Canadian team? Like, let it be. I saw that and it hurt me deeply. I mean, to an extent he has a point, but at the same time, like basketball is so different, right? Because it's essentially hockey without line changes here and there. Yeah, yeah. The Oilers, like if it was like, um, like video game mode, you know, where you, you can take off line changes, if there was no line, we'd be the best team in the league. Like we'd dummy everyone, but there's line changes and we don't have a good team around him and it's too bad. But yeah, it's like, you can't use basketball logic on hockey. Or especially, like, especially, especially when like for example it's like I, i'm not like a big lebron james fan but it's like at the same point it's like lebron is just like once he gets eliminated he's like yeah damien hey like this guy do you want to come over to my team it's like if connor could do the same thing how many people would be like jump in the boat and be like okay i have to go to edmonton but i get to play with connor mcdavid yes so what's our budget there is no budget it's like oh cool Edmonton would probably be like, you know, taking home cups year after year. Yeah. I mean, I could get into it. I don't like (laughs) Edmonton is not an attractive place for a free agent. And it wouldn't be unless we were like really, really, really good. So we have to kind of find that sweet spot with guys who want to prove something. You still have talent, but aren't the hot ticket items because they're just not going to come here, man. And I honestly kind of understand it. Oiler fans are ridiculous. They're insane. And so like, it's not a fun place to live for most of the season. And then on top of that, you're going to have these dudes on Twitter breaking down why some guy on the third line in Bakersfield is a better Corsi. And like, I mean, fuck that dude, I'm going to go play in LA. You know what I mean? I'm going to make more money and not have to deal with like, like I, I get why we don't get free agents to be completely. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause like, so I'm like a Detroit fan by trade, but it's funny. Cause when Detroit was in its heyday and like everyone wanted to go there because yeah. no money, like but Sky Bowman, like 
good coach. And then like you had the players I'm like, yeah, obviously. But if you looked at it realistically, it's like the Rangers would just buy out players all the time. And they're like, here's your paycheck. And it's like, wait, you get to, I get to play on Broadway. I get all this money. And like, I'm a part of an original six team. Great. But then, yeah, you have players now where I look at it and it's kind of sad in a sense because we have good Canadian players, but it's like, I think it's like Drysdale. It's in like Anaheim. And I'm like, man, like you have such a good, such a good guy to watch. But I'm like in the East Coast, we're not going to see him a lot, but you'll see him on like an Olympic team or if he ever gets traded or if he comes to the East Coast to play Toronto, you'd be like, I really like that guy. It's like Drew Doughty for years. It was like Drew Doughty's a great player, but I'm like, how many times do we get to see Drew Doughty? Very rarely. Totally. And like, I had a conversation yesterday with a family member and they're like, yeah, like who's on the Panthers? They have no stars. I'm like, well, you know what? They do like Barkov one of the best players in the NHL, but I get it. It's because they're not like one of those like hot ticket teams or whatever. But like, I feel like that's an attractive thing for those players where it's like, yeah, you just fly under the radar, you make money, you play in a great city. And the number one thing is winning, right? Like with Detroit, especially in the nineties, like a lot of people would want to play there because they're winning so much. And also I, from what I understand, they weren't a big free agent team anyway. It's because they drafted so well. And so unless yeah. they want to do that, or if they're like a wagon and just dummying teams, uh, you got to, you know, it's, it's bleak. It's bleak. I think I would like to have like, just say like maybe a Vegas shirt with like stone or flurry on the back, just because I love two of those players. But I actually have like when Seattle came out with their logo, I think I have a Seattle Kraken winter hat and a Seattle long sleeve shirt. And the team could suck for five years. I'm like, yeah, but they're new. So they're like that new toy where you're like, man, I'll, I'll root for you. But if, you start, if you start doing too well and you start being cocky, I'm going to be like, man, uh, yeah, I go for Seattle, but I'm not like one of those fans that are like rude about it. Yeah, totally. I, yeah, I think I love hockey and I love like logos and jerseys and uniforms. So like I like collecting that kind of stuff. Like, again, don't get me wrong. I'm never going to collect or purchase a Leafs, Flames, Canucks, you know, uniform of any kind. But at the same time, like, I, yeah, I don't know. I love just like wearing different uniforms or like, I don't even, I I don't like the Canucks, but if they brought back the black and red uniforms from like the nineties, I'd probably like them. Those are so sick. I always think it's interesting because like, you know, when people call like someone a bandwagon fan or stuff, but like some of those retro stuff was like, like really, really good. Like I think I had like a Vancouver Canucks, uh, like the black and blue one that they used to have. And when they went to just full on on blue, I was like, it's like, yeah, not feeling it, but the retro jerseys are great. Like I'm just trying to remember the ones like Carolina's one with Hartford. I really liked, but I'm not like a Carolina fan, like a diehard, but like if the Oilers came back with the old oil drop logo that they used, like when they were playing, like, I think it was like Dallas in like semifinals of Stanley cups. I'm like, man, I like the oil drop logo. It's kind of controversial because there are people that don't like it. I'm like, it's an alternative. It to me, if it doesn't have orange in the in the color scheme, yeah. I'm gonna freak out. Also, my uncle has always had season tickets, and it was like four years in a row. Like he takes me to one game a year. Yeah. It was like four years in a row we went, and they didn't score a goal at any of the games I went to, and they wore that jersey every time. The cog, the like. Yeah. So I have a real complicated history with that uniform. Although I will respect your opinion. And yeah, that, that, that's fair. It's like. I, I look at some of the jerseys that come like because I know on Twitter and Facebook and there's people that come up with like custom designs to so, like what they yeah. expect jersey and some of them was a really really cool like as a Detroit fan when I seen their retro jersey I'm like so did you just let a, like a five year old in the room that day and they're like white and red logo yeah do it and I'm just like 
horrible. We have a 2008, 2009 winter classic one we could have used. Totally. So many others that are like great, but no, no, we're going to do this. I'm like bad decision, but then yeah, they like, it in a little bit. Same with uh, the Islanders. It's like just a darker blue. The ones they wear every day. It's so yeah, dumb. Yeah. I like, I like the Islander logo. Like the guy that like the fisherman logo. I know it's like yeah. another one. That's like people are like, I hate that. I'm like, because of the years that it was not great. And Garth Snow was the GM. I'm like, Garth Snow was still your GM after that logo. So don't try to like, Those that there. So sick. they have to bring the fisherman back. Like that, they're the best. <laughs> I, yeah, I like the fisherman. The other thing I want to talk about, uh, of course, in terms of the music side of things. Yeah. Now, I, I like that it goes all over the place anyway, but I want to ask you during COVID coming out with these songs and now we're kind of in like a post pandemic, I guess we're getting there, but like, there. what's your goal once this whole pandemic ends? Cause I think it's timely. Like obviously there's marketing involved and in when you chose to come out with these songs, you can say otherwise, but I feel like I'm giving you a lot of uh, praise because it's like, oh yeah, it's like perfect timing to come out with these songs. But like, what's the goal for these songs? What's the goal for the future? Yeah, no, it's a good question. And like, it's, it was not uncalculated the timing. Cause of course, like, yeah, it was what we released summer girl, May 27th, I believe, you know, we wanted to kind of hit that time frame for a new song because we also feel like the first song looked good as well as the next song that's going to come out are very much summer songs. And so that is the thing, Um, you know, they set a tone. So we want to put those out. I think honestly, man, the plan is going to be to release singles much differently than we used to, where it's kind of one single, maybe two. And then the album, I think we're probably going to do four or five singles and then album late fall. uh, And then hopefully a tour right in the new year. So that is the plan. The goal long-term, I don't want to do anything else with my life, man. So, you know, there's a lot of unknowns, but the goal is to do this full time and whether that be, you know, the band as well as me, like exploring the songwriting side for myself and other artists on the side as well. You know, I just want to fill my life with music. And so I know the bands on the same page were like as tight as we've ever been. We had like a two hour zoom earlier today. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, it just feels good to be like, to have it in my life again. So I love something this much. I think I'm good at it. So that's, yeah, that's it, man. I just want to do this. Does it feel like, and I, hopefully you get the reference, but does it feel like almost like a Tom DeLonge reaching out to a Mark Harpus or Hoppus moment where it's like, Hey, I know we're not Blink-182 anymore, but in your case, it's like, yeah, we're bringing it back. But it's like, you're on even, I guess like you're communicating compared to like an Oasis where you're never going to get Liam and Noel in a room where it's like, I, I fucking hate him. I was the lead singer the whole time. It's like, yeah, but I write the fucking tracks. It's like, relax. Both of you are fine. Yeah, those guys need to chill. Um, yeah, so it is similar, to be honest with you. I think there was a little bit of like, you have to kind of identify what went wrong in the first place before you can move forward. And that took place. Oh, that's like two years ago, though, because again, that's when the reunion shows were. And so for us to get to the show point, I think there was a lot of just discussing what it's going to look like, whether it be financially, because that's something you need to discuss. Yeah. Like, in a breakdown. I mean, like I said, I write the songs. And so there is a component of discussing how do we want to make this look and just getting on the same page and just hashing out things that didn't work the first time around. What did, what didn't. So yeah, there's a little bit of that. Like I, in that situation, I don't want to be Tom DeLonge cause I'm not like <laughs> super into aliens. I or, love Tom DeLonge. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, it's just all right. I love Mark, but yeah. yeah, to be, the analogy makes sense. So yeah, there was definitely an element of being like, we didn't do things perfect. It didn't end the best way. Is, is it possible to be fixed? And if so, how do we do it? And I think thankfully it was possible to be fixed and we've moved forward. And again, like I'm as close with the band members as I've ever been for sure. 
So like, I, I mean, not that you have to tell me, but it's like, you know, for two hours on a Zoom, what do you guys like talk about for two hours? Like I try to bring up a soccer group meeting for like an hour and then like, I, no, fuck you, Tobin. I don't want to talk to you for an hour. I'm like, how about 10 minutes? How about five? I'm like, I'll take five. <laughs> I like to negotiate. Um, to be fair, they're not usually two hours. In fact, I would not want them to be two hours, but we have like, well, so Rob and I live in Edmonton and then the Aaron and Miles live in Toronto. We do have to spend a lot more time. We have another trip to Toronto coming up in a few weeks. And so it's just kind of hashing out what it's going to look like. And we can't just meet up in person because we're yeah. so far apart. So there's a lot more zooms, time consuming zooms right now when we're at a distance. That's fair. I, I want to ask you, of course, now when you're mentioning about putting out more singles and doing a tour kind of into the new year, is one of your goals to do like an Edmonton Oiler game, like, you know, doing the national anthem? I mean, Brett Kissel might not like it, but you can tell Brett Kissel basically, hey, I'm from this town too. <laughs> so <laughs> we have done the anthem. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, again, though. Like, now, uh, yeah. No, uh, yeah, okay. So, yes, I would love to do it. I would do it anytime. The thing about, there's a couple of things. So first of all, it's one of my favorite stories is that we were asked to do the anthem at an Oilers game right when we were like early on and it was like taking off and it was like a huge honor. But we found out the day before that we had to do an American one. We didn't know who they were playing. They were playing the Panthers. So we had to like learn the American anthem. And then the other thing is that I'm not like super proud of this, but I was at an age where like nothing affected me and I thought I was like could do anything. And so I went out the night before and just floored it in Edmonton. And the next day we're about to do anthems, which are not easy to sing. And I was like, I don't really have my voice right now. So not only did I go out and sing the anthem and not only did the band go out and sing the anthem with me, the band and our road crew all came out. So there's like nine guys out on there singing the anthem. I mean, it was like, it was like, there's probably, I don't know how many people even knew us in the crowd really, but I don't know if I've ever seen a band and their road crew all come out and sing the anthem before, but we did. And they just backed up and covered my voice. And it was a hilarious experience. Now on the other side with Brett Kissel, who does a great job of the anthem. My only thing is this Brett Kissel is an objectively nice guy. You can tell he's just like a nice person. Yeah. And he has some of the Oilers broadcasts and t- people on Twitter are so ridiculously like mean about the guy. And so my thing is that like, if he's that nice and that's what they're saying about him, and I'm significantly less nice. I'm way less likable than Brett Kissel. I just don't know how it would go over, to be honest. Yeah. But see, this is this is the thing that you're forgetting. There's a like there's an age group out there that controls the Twitter and the Instagram. That's like, you oh. know, my age group and your age group might be like, like, hey, like, okay, whatever. It's like, yeah, he's a good guy. It's like, but I feel like the crowd that are dissing Brett Kissel are also like the 14 or 15 year olds. Like, he didn't do a TikTok dance. I'm like, that's not his thing. It's like, what do you expect from him? And then the crowd that go out there, like if you have a Logan Paul or Jake Paul come out and sing an anthem, they're like, man, he rocked it. It's like, he didn't do anything. He just danced the whole time or like made fake punches. It's like, that's his thing, man. Like, yeah, I don't know. I would, of course, if we were ever asked to do the anthem again, I would do it gladly. <laughs> I just think that I would get absolutely sewered on Twitter no matter what. But, but like I've said, I'm okay with that too. Yeah, exactly. That's when you just come back with a mean tweet or a mean reply back and be like, like okay who cares like or just let them die just let them sewer themselves in the in the comments Uh, i i did think it was interesting because i want to talk about just the the new song with the changing of philosophy in the terms of like how you brand things and how social media is like i'm going to throw this idea more or less not more or less of question but just an idea for you guys it's like with tiktok do you ever want to market that as in 
like kind of like a TikTok song or for it to gain popularity that way. Cause I had an idea where like for the idea of like the chorus where you kind of dress up as a nerd and then like you look better, like you show how you've evolved over time and then you use that song in the background. I mean, that's good marketing. So you nailed it, dude. We actually have yeah. that idea. Exactly. Like you see it all the time where people do these like videos where like, it'll be like a girl without makeup and then yeah. chorus hits and she's like, you know, fully done up. And so I think the song will be perfect for that. So the answer is yes. I think that we would really love to explore that on the other side. I mean, I'm not overly excited about another new social media platform to focus yeah. on or deal yeah. with. But again, my understanding is that it is big and it would do well for us. So yes, I think there's a plan to hit, hit, hit TikTok. And I think you're right. I think you nailed the I, idea. I, I feel you on TikTok, man. Like I, I've only joined like Instagram since we've started this podcast and I didn't even know what I was supposed to do. Like I, I, I think Snapchat's still around, but I was like, so wait, you just snap a picture to someone and they snap. I'm like, that's pointless. I'm like, we just did that with a photo album. It's like, look at all these photos I took. Cool. Dude, I Snapchat like in the fall because like, <laughs> some people were telling me to, and I would get sent photos and then I would just like text back. Like, <laughs> good. I don't know. And they'd be like, you suck at, at Snapchat. You're supposed to send a photo back. Am I not sending you a photo back? Like, this is weird. I hate, I hate yeah. Snapchat. That's, that's, like, that's, like, that's how I feel like Instagram when I scroll through it and I just see like TikToks on Instagram and I'm just like, so what exactly am I supposed to get out of this? And they're just like, only things, man. It's like, yeah. chill out with yeah. the things. I like, here's, here's something to date us in, in a way. It's like, when I go back on YouTube and find old YouTubes, that are like groggy videos or it's like, someone's basement and they're doing stuff i'm like that's the youtube i grew up on the youtube now it's like subscribe to my channel and i'll unbox some shit i'm like i don't want to see you unbox shit i have my own stuff to unbox like why am i watching you get better at this shit no man i can't handle it i I like i love watching live sports and then from there give me a good like true crime documentary and that's about it I, i i don't have the attention span i like for all that stuff man. but again it's important i don't want to dismiss it but thank god we have you know a young manager again he's he's (laughs) he's the one who handles it he's the one who's like this is what we're going to do today you're like sure whatever you say exactly (laughs) to to finish this off because i want to kind of wrap it up close to to the hour here but like name some things that during covid that you've kind of kept you busy because i know we're not like an overly mental health podcast but i do think it's interesting because people have talked about in covid like how their mental health was Mm -hmm. affected and how they've been doing like for me to be honest when covid started i was like do i want to do a podcast what are people going to talk about and then you land someone through like a bob saget or i think i think we had like robin adelini on which i thought was really cool and i was like i was like cool it's like so if I didn't do this during a pandemic, I don't get these acts on. And especially like yourself, if we don't do this during a pandemic, we don't get Patrick on. So like, thanks for coming on. What kind of things got you through the COVID? Well, honestly, sort of a similar thing. Like I, I, you know, obviously mental health is a serious side of it. So like, I think that it was, I won't say drinking, which I did a lot of during uh, the pandemic, but fair. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little bit better now, but like uh, I think for me it was it was very much similar to what you're talking about, and that's when I really did a lot of the writing for the album was because man, it could go two ways, and that's like it really made me realize like what do I want to do with my life? Like, am I happy where I'm at, or was I happy with where I left things off at when the pandemic hit? And the answer was not really. So it was sort of a wake up call. I did a lot of writing, and I think it was so good for me to be honest with you. Like, I wrote most of the album during the pandemic, which is like 
just such a good way of it bought us time too because yeah. I, you know we would have rushed the album right after we put out sunset gold a year ago i think it would have been a different album and i don't think in the best way so to me it was uh the biggest thing was just writing and i know that like rob our guitar player is like a huge mental health advocate and for him having music back in his life it was really important it was something that you know gives us purpose it's like what are you getting out of bed for every day in the morning and if you can have that you know, I think that's one, it's an amazing step that everyone really needs. And so it's just one thing. Cause when you're setting goals, man, it's like, if you set the loftiest goal in the world, every day you're going to feel like you're failing, right? Cause you're not on top of the mountain yet. Absolutely. That's how I feel every day. No, no. Yeah, man, I struggle with that too. Like I, I want to be, you know, the biggest band in the world, but if I can get up today and like just work on a new song, start a new idea, like sit at the piano for 25 minutes and do that. To me, it was just like really achievable goals that then turned into, you know, I was a madman writing for a lot of it and it just helped me a lot. And I know that I can speak for Rob saying the same thing. He was stuck at home. He just got back into loving playing guitar again. And it just really uh, made us that much stronger now that we're able to slowly but surely get back out there and do it. He listened to a lot of B440M through the day. He got, like, dude, he, he started like pretending to be in B440. <laughs> that, that's when you made the phone call. It was like, hey, listen, we got to have an intervention. That's when we're going to have this two hour Zoom. And that's what that two hour Zoom was about. <laughs> it, was, it was like, honestly, I support everyone's, you know, love of any kind of music, but we are not B44. <laughs> that is like, if I, if I woke up tomorrow and someone was like, Brian, you're not a part of the Backstreet Boys. They already have a Brian in the Backstreet Boys. I'd be like, yeah, but I can be the new Brian. And they'd be like, no, no one wants that. I'd be like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think, uh, you know, it, not with that attitude. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Not with that. Attitude. You just wake up one day. It's like, you know, be the opposite of pep every day. It's like, and then people are like, I don't, I don't understand what kind of personality is that? I'm like, it's a true personality. Hey man, we live in a capitalist society. If you went up to the Backstreet Boys and was like, listen, Brian, <laughs> I'm Brian. I'll take half what he's making. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I'd have to learn a lot of dance moves and I'd have to learn how to do that swiggle thing with the chair. And I'd be like, they'd be like, cut, you, you're, no, you're done. I'm like, that's fair. I'll go back to podcasting. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. I I think podcasting is probably a lot easier to figure out. Plus you'd be working, you're working for yourself right now. And I think that's always a good um, zone to find. Absolutely. I I tell my, I tell my team every day, I hate the guy who hosts this podcast, but you know, we can fire him anytime we want. The last question here, because I know you're a big fan of like, NHL like are you a big gamer like do you play like NHL like 21 okay so actually that's another part of the question you asked earlier so when the pandemic hit one thing that would have been incredible is if sports continued but they all stopped and so for the first time in my life I'm not a gamer and by any even stretch I'm not but I bought an Xbox and I created myself as a player in the Edmonton Oilers Nice. and when I say that Connor McDavid and I had incredible chemistry dude like you don't even understand i was sick and then like i got full into it like i actually like won a few cups in edmonton then they tried to fucking lowball me on my next contract so i went to la <laughs> won a cup there not to brag um and so to answer your question am i a gamer no but was i a gamer for like three months when the pandemic hit yes i was yeah. and then collected dust and so i got rid of it <laughs> that's fair i feel like even though we're like kind of winding down from the pandemic for the most pandemic i was doing podcasting rewatching like old shit like saved by the bell college years i remember watching that and then i was like man i went out and bought the dvd i was like i remember this being okay and like it's still okay to me because i don't want to like shit on it but i get where it was i get what it's going for but 
lately I've been watching like NHL or watching like old WWE stuff from when I, cause I went and saw like 2004 SummerSlam in Toronto. Cool. And I was like, I'm going to watch that and play NHL 21, but I get you. I get way into it. I was with Detroit. Detroit's my favorite team. But then yeah. all of a sudden I was like, you know what? It's like, you traded to get Stamkos and Eichel for me. Cool. Great. Whatever. Cool. And then like, I went a, f- a few seasons. Then it was like, nobody was coming to Detroit. I'm like, man, I'm carrying this team. And I do a lot of the simming because I don't want to play every game. And we were just oh, losing. Yeah. And I, yeah. I was like, yeah. So I was like, fuck this. I went to Toronto for a year to help them win a cup. Then they were like, fuck you. So I was like, all right, now I'm with New York. I feel like I should go back to Detroit, but like you can, I don't know if you know this about the game, but if you pause it, when they give you the contract, you can always go back and there's like two new teams that give you contracts. So I waited until New York gave me one. I'm like, I'll take my talents to Broadway. I didn't know that. But yeah. I wish I didn't get rid of, the, rid of the Xbox now. I could have like hopped around a little bit. Yeah. But like, so did the game let you win the Stanley Cup with Toronto? I feel like there's no way. Like, <laughs> I had to work my ass off to get Toronto to just to the Stanley Cup. And they played Arizona. So it was like, I like making narratives up just because I'm a sports broadcaster on like the side. So it was like Austin Matthews, Toronto versus Arizona. And then the next year, it was that same matchup again. So I was like, <laughs> man. Well, funny you say that, man. I actually coordinated it so that I ended up getting traded to uh, Arizona at one point, And that Austin Matthews came with me because I was like, that's nice. the best story. Yeah. I'm insane, man. That's funny that you do that, too. That is so funny. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Patrick Cordy back for coming on to the show. Remember... You can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thank you for listening, and good night. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. 4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.